Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. Flames and the smoke. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Now, nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. By the way, if you haven't already subscribed to the News Vault podcast, we strongly urge you to do so. This way, you'll catch each episode as it's released. You don't have to remember to go look for it. It just finds you. You can do that at Radio.com. You can do it at KCBSRadio.com. We, by the way, urge you to use the Radio.com app as your portal to lots of fine audio programming. And, of course, at the usual locations, iTunes podcasts and the Google Play podcast portal as well. For this episode, we focus on an American politician, the likes of which we've seen few, Dianne Feinstein. This is an episode from 1985 of a KCBS report special. But Dianne Feinstein, by that time, in 1985, had already been an elected official in San Francisco for 16 years. She became president of the Board of Supervisors and then became mayor upon the death of George Moscone in 1978. Then was elected mayor in her own right and re-elected. She was elected to the U.S. Senate for the first time in 1992, but that was an interesting election because, in fact, Feinstein had run for governor of California in that year's November election against U.S. Senator Pete Wilson, a Republican. She lost. Wilson won. But when Wilson vacated his seat, a special election was held to replace him, and Dianne Feinstein won that election. It made her into California's senior senator because the other senator elected in that cycle, Barbara Boxer, who replaced the retiring Senator Alan Cranston, didn't take office for a few more months. And so Feinstein, ever since 1992, has been California's senior senator, re-elected in 1994, 2000, 2006, 2012, and in 2018. But in 1985, KCBS radio reporter Barbara Taylor, who was a longtime San Francisco City Hall reporter, produced a 28-minute-long KCBS report segment on the mayoral administration of Dianne Feinstein. Feinstein had her supporters. She had her enemies, too. And all of them were heard from in this segment. Diane is one of those people uh, who wants something done yesterday. I think she has a tendency to fear that someone's trying to pull one over on her. She deals with problems head-on. I mean, there's no subterfuge. There's no backing away. There's no trying to... to place blame or to find excuses. Diane uh, is very quickly to po- quick to point the finger, and she is also very quick to, to claim credit. She is smart, she's clever. By any yardstick, Diane Feinstein is a popular mayor. A poll commissioned in April by the Chamber of Commerce showed that 67% of the voters would re-elect her again if a third term was not prohibited by the city charter. Two years ago, she crushed a poorly organized but admittedly humiliating recall by an 82% margin 
region, and a few months later was re-elected with 81% of the popular vote. It strengthened my own personal sense of uh, self-confidence very, very much, I think. Uh, and I think, as, as the polls have indicated, I enjoy um, a very strong poll rating, which is good for a mayor that's been mayor for six and a half years. I'm very proud of that. But Mayor Feinstein's public support is not the total picture. Those who have close contact with the mayor while conceding her popularity give her mixed reviews. She is generally given high points for her ability to perform on the job, but criticized almost always in private as somewhat of a failure in the arena of interpersonal relations. She is repeatedly described as a mayor who demands absolute loyalty, but who views that loyalty as a one-way street. One of those who is willing to speak on the record is former Housing Authority Director Carl Williams, who Feinstein fired when it was learned that his agency was $6.5 million in debt. The chemistry between us just was not good, and I don't know uh, what the cause of that was. Uh, I... I supported her. I was loyal to her in every sense of, of the word. Former Public Utilities Chief Richard Sklar also blames his downfall on the loyalty issue. As a member of the Planning Commission, he says he refused to vote for any high-rise if the developer would not pay the transit development fee. Feinstein ordered him to change his position, and he refused. Her definition of loyalty is a little different than mine. Uh, my idea of loyalty is that you do what is best for the institution you're serving. That is loyal. That includes telling the emperor that they've got no clothes on when they're naked rather than letting them wander around the street that way. Diane's view is you'd never disagree with her. In particular, you'd never disagree with her in public. Supervisor Harry Britt, another critic, says no dissent is tolerated in the Feinstein administration. I'm talking about uh, punishing people who disagree with you. For instance, uh, George Wong, who is a very respected Asian labor leader in San Francisco, was fired from uh, one of her commissions because of dissent, not because of personal disloyalty, but because of dissent. I don't know of anybody that I've punished. Uh, I do know that I believe in loyalty. I wouldn't work for anybody that I couldn't be loyal to, and I don't want anyone to work for me if they can't be loyal to me. The mayor's Monday staff meetings offer the observer a microcosm of the Feinstein administration. She pokes and probes into every department, demanding to know if difficulties exist, and then following that up with requests for reams of paperwork that in short order make her the definitive expert on the subject. She is a stickler for detail and proud of it. The, quote, bureaucracy, end quote, really doesn't want a mayor to follow up or know the detail. Because when you follow up and you know the detail, you see, my God, I asked for this a month and a half ago, and you see it hasn't even been started yet. Ask anyone who has ever worked for Mayor Feinstein, and they will all tell you the same thing. She is driven, and whatever it is that drives her, she uses to drive others. I'm basically accustomed to working hard may sound silly to say this, but with my first job when I was 16, it was at the Emporium, and my father said, I want to tell you how to be a success. Get to work early, stay late, and skip the coffee breaks. Love her or hate her, no one has ever accused her of being lazy. More often, she is touted as a workaholic. Peter Nardozo worked for Feinstein for 10 years. Our strongest point, I think, is this ability to work, is this ability to just keep going, even to the point where 
you know, she even makes herself sick. Feinstein's staff and department head sometimes complain that she gets too bogged down in minutia. Police Chief Murphy says if she has a weakness, that is it. Nardoza agrees. Her biggest fault is a lack of ability to delegate. The mayor wants just too much to be coming in to her. And it can be overwhelming. My problem has been every time I slack up on it, and every time I delegate something and I don't final check it, I regret it. Something goes wrong. If you are laid back and you just let things happen, you have no control over the destiny of this office or this city. And it is very important. In a sense, it's a battle of the will almost constantly. There is nothing casual about the Feinstein administration. Her staff mentally snaps to attention when she arrives at work, and since she is often the last to leave, there may be no at ease at any point in the day. Deputy Mayor Hadley Roth says there is no room in the office for people who just want to get by. This is a busy, thriving uh, place. I mean, there's not a you know, there's not a moment of inactivity. We come and we all take our, our, our places in a squirrel cage and we whiz around for 10 or 11 hours a day. Roth describes Feinstein as a mayor who maintains her poise when things don't go her way, but others tell a different story. Chamber of Commerce Director John Jacobs, who says he personally holds the mayor in very high esteem, is quite familiar with the backroom chatter about Feinstein's temper. She might be a little bit brutal to her immediate staff. She, in times, times past, uh, was probably a little too quick to misinterpret um, a statement and, and would, um, would uh, react defensively. Feinstein denies the suggestion that she comes down hard on her staff, but concedes she's no pushover either. If I permit sloppiness, incompetence, uh, all of those things to, to exist, I become part of it and I'm responsible for it. Public Utilities General Manager Rudy Nothenberg puts it another way. People who are uh, able to provide the kind of planning and the kind of particulars and the kind of uh, response that she wants get, uh, get along well with her. Those that are uncomfortable in that kind of a uh, environment probably don't get along very well. One of those who did not get along well with Feinstein was Nothenberg's predecessor, Richard Sklar. His flamboyant personality and independent style of management clashed sharply with Feinstein's demand for conformance, formality, and structure. In the end, he came to view her as something of a drill sergeant presiding over a sea of intimidated recruits. Diane was heavily focused on spit and polish. My guess was a if I had come up with a uniform for the head of the PUC and worn a brown uniform with gold epaulets, I would have been much more pleasing to her. She did seem to, to tend to like uniforms um, much more than she cared about performance. Former planning director Rye Okamoto and Feinstein parted ways by mutual agreement not long after Feinstein became mayor. Okamoto says Feinstein had complained to him that he was not hard enough, not a tough enough administrator. Once he said to me, uh, Rye, what you should really do is to read Shogun. But to this day, I'm not absolutely sure what her reasons are. The, the most superficial one I concluded was that uh, there's this tough guy, Shogun, who lops people's heads off whenever is necessary. This KCBS special report on Mayor Diane Feinstein will continue in a moment. 
Mayor Feinstein is proud to say she governs from the middle, but in a city sharply torn between the conflicting desires of liberal and conservative activists, she takes positions that sometimes leave her in a political no-man's land. She supports rent control and angers conservatives. She refuses to back controls on vacant units, annoying progressives as well. Supervisor Harry Britt praises the mayor's handling of the AIDS crisis, but accuses her of being too close to developers and downtown business interests at the expense of people in the neighborhoods. As a result, a lot of problems have not been dealt with. Um, the muni's a mess. Uh, public housing is a scandal. Uh, the police department is a national joke. At the same time, Chamber of Commerce Director John Jacobs objects to her 950,000 square foot annual construction limit, but concedes she is a tough lady who marches to her own set of principles and is still a friend to the business community. She understands that unless the city's economy is strong, unless business is strong in San Francisco, she's just got a pile of dust. She has no resources with which to provide the other social services that the, the Harry Brits and the Nancy Walkers of the world want provided by the city. Feinstein believes any mayor of San Francisco must be pro-business, but bristles at Brit's charge that she is insensitive to neighborhood needs. Mr. Britt doesn't know what he's talking about. The time I spend on um, downtown related matters isn't even one quarter of the time I spend on other items. To benefit the community. During the past year, Feinstein has had more than her share of political problems. Her downtown plan did not receive the unconditional support she had hoped for. The once bulging budget surplus evaporated, and the mayor was faced with growing difficulties in the health department, the police department, and the housing authority. The planning director, Dean Macra, says it would be unwise to sell Feinstein short in periods of trouble. She rallies the troops. She wants immediately to have everyone involved there who can uh, provide her with the best advice there. Uh, she uh, would be regarded in corporate circles and in city manager circles as a very good administrator. When the Housing Authority's financial problems threatened to tarnish the mayor's image, she responded by firing Director Carl Williams, a prominent member of the black community. Williams was bitter and angry. He claims that at the same time he was being told he would be given a chance to correct the problems, the mayor was actively seeking his replacement, another charge Feinstein denies. Williams also says that Feinstein was more concerned about the adverse headlines than his own overall job performance. Ooh, it's all about him, Diogos. We didn't miss a one. <laughs> uh, that's the irony, uh, the anomaly, if you will, of, of the situation uh, at the Housing Authority. Uh, by any objective criteria, uh, many of the goals uh, and accomplishments that we were striving for, we had, in fact, reached, and in some cases exceeded. There comes a time you've got to make decisions, you've got to terminate people. I found they don't like it. Very often they're filled with sour grapes, and they say a lot of things. And I'm frankly not going to be intimidated. Feinstein ended up in a no-win situation. The firing of Williams received mixed reaction in the black community, and at the same time prompted her critics, including Supervisor Britt, to charge that she had given preferential treatment to Police Chief Con Murphy, whose department has suffered from a series of embarrassing incidents involving police misconduct and poor judgment. If the Housing Authority has a problem, she fires the director. If the police department has a problem, she covers it up and says things are going to be okay and makes some sort of symbolic 
gesture at reorganization. Even Chief Murphy admits he has never been subjected to a serious dressing down by the mayor. To put it in her terms, we've had some spirited discussion, sure. But to come down hard on me, no, that's, that's, that's not her style. But Feinstein hints that her heretofore cozy relationship with the chief will change if the problems continue. He knows very clearly what I expect to have happen. He also knows that I'm watching very carefully. Uh, he knows that this new command system in the department must work, that uh, I'm not going to tolerate another incident of poor judgment in the department and that I hold the leadership of the department responsible for the performance of that department. This KCBS special report on Mayor Dianne Feinstein will continue in a moment. Ask Mayor Feinstein what she likes least about her job, and she will tell you, it's the office that drives me crazy, a never-ending stream of complaints and problems. The best part, she says, is when she shuts the office door and goes out to mingle with the public. Feinstein has an uncanny ability to charm the crowds. How are you? Nice to see you. Thank you. She seems most comfortable in the role of chief cheerleader for the city, revving up an audience as she did recently when all the stars of the new James Bond film appeared with her on the steps of City Hall. Hello, everybody. Are you all fans of 007? Well, we have a very special day then. Because today, the world premiere of the latest 007 James Bond film, A View to the Kill, is being shown tonight here in San Francisco. A few days later, Feinstein was out on the streets again, this time to launch the opening of the summer historic trolley festival. Now, we have a very talented mayor. One day it's uh, 007, Duran Duran, high tech. And today it's historic cable cars uh, of the Chamber of Commerce and uh, Friends of Uni. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce the mayor of San Francisco, the Honorable Diane Feinstein. Diane? The event was not only vintage trolleys, but vintage Feinstein. Beginning this year, I am pleased to announce that this service is going to be permanent. And I'm pleased to announce that it's going to be seven days a week. I'm pleased to announce... Yeah, clap, that's right. She moved easily through the small crowd at the Trans Bay Terminal, smiling, shaking hands, waving to all. Even those who would be characterized as the mayor's political adversaries marvel at her ability to captivate an audience. Supervisor Quentin Kopp, whose public battles with Feinstein are legendary, says, You have to have a patina of personality or style that makes people feel good, and that is Diane's forte. She is, as I say, a most presentable person. She's a tremendous this elocutionist. Uh, she certainly is expressive, and uh, she presents herself in uh, better light than I present myself, I must uh, confess to that. And from a political standpoint, she has tremendous skills. But Supervisor Harry Britt, a critic from the opposite end of the political spectrum, is not as generous in interpreting Feinstein's motives. It's very easy these days for a 
a person who is skillful at dealing with the media and, and makes a good public impression to, con to convey the impression that they're dealing with people's problems when, in fact, they're not. Don't bother telling that to the students at St. Vincent de Paul's Elementary School. They would never believe it. When Feinstein entered the school's gym, all the children stood up and applauded. They were presenting the mayor a $2,500 check, money they had raised through bake sales and other activities to send to the starving people of Ethiopia. Hi, Mario. Nice to know you. Oh, all right. Did you work, too? Yeah, I did with my aunt. And, um, what did you do, snow cones? No, we... Uh, Oh, I was in a dance-a-thon, and I raised some money. I, I, I got $23.40. Good for you. I'm impressed. That's super. The students were thrilled by the mayor's visit. Feinstein was in her element. Some swarmed around her for a few brief moments of conversation, and the entire student body serenaded her with the song most appropriate for the occasion. Once again, Mayor Feinstein was easily able to revert into the role she loves of cheerleader and educator. I want to have everybody stand that either that worked to raise this money. Well, that's wonderful. Everybody did. How much did you raise? All right, let's hear it again. How much did you raise? And where is it going? I like to see the people. I like to walk down the streets. I like to be part of the community. Um, and that's, that's very, very special. Many longtime Feinstein observers describe the mayor as genuinely compassionate, truly interested in learning about all aspects of her city. Former aide Peter Nardoza recalls one evening when Feinstein invited him to join her for dinner. Diane decided that she wanted to ride Mission Street because this was when the lowriders were in full force. And she indeed wanted to go up and down Mission Street, not to cease it, not to, you know, try to end it right then and there, but simply to see what Mission Street was like. Mayor Feinstein is also the woman who one day several years ago gave mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation to an elderly man who had collapsed on the street. She is often seen at fires and crime scenes, and Police Chief Con Murphy says he has personally witnessed the mayor's capacity for caring. We went to visit a, a kid, uh, a young man who had uh, a disease, and he was dying from it. He was, uh, I forget his age, he was 18 or 19, and he, looked, you know, he was on his deathbed. In fact, he died the next day, and we went to visit him together. We made him an honorary policeman, and I'll tell you, when she came out, she held up great in the room. And when she was talking to the young man and the, and the mother, as soon as she got out that door, she was in tears. That's the warm side of her. True story. Mayor Feinstein's press relations are sometimes more rocky than her relations with her public. San Francisco Chronicle reporter Reginald Smith, recalling a story he wrote about the mayor's plans for a downtown stadium, says if the information gets out before Feinstein wants it out, she feels it is a personal affront. So this story came out, and she calls me in. It's almost like being called to the principal's office, you know, because... Um, I was summoned to her office, and she sat behind her desk and uh, rattled around on her desk as if I wasn't there. And um, then she just started in on me. 
And it, you're just being dressed down like uh, by a superior officer or something. I really don't try to control what's news. When you're going to do something and have a press conference on a Monday and you find that somebody has enterprised it and has a good deal of it wrong or inaccurate and the whole thing is distorted before you ever have an opportunity to put it forward. It's very frustrating. But similar tales are told by Chronicle reporter Dave Farrell, who differs with Feinstein's analysis of those private journalism critiques. He says she hollers, pounds her fist, uses strong words and long silences for theatrical effect. But the mayor doesn't usually waste her ammunition and waste her wrath on, on factual errors, mistakes in, in a story. She more generally, in my experience, will criticize someone for uh, finding something newsworthy that she doesn't think is newsworthy. She would like nothing better than to define what is news in San Francisco and then have all of us fall in line. On the other hand, the mayor feels she's been burned by the press enough to justify her distrust. Before you have an opportunity to put a proposal together, it's reported, it's very often inaccurate, sides are taken, and uh, the prospects for the proposal are doomed even before it's released. Obviously, as um, reporters, our job is not to be the mouthpiece, the mouth house organ for, for City Hall and City Hall administration. Chronicle reporter Reginald Smith. Our job is to go out and find what we consider news, what the people want to know. The daily sparring that takes place at City Hall between the media and the mayor is to be expected. But both Chronicle reporter Dave Farrell and the mayor seem to agree that in the long run, it is probably futile. In individual skirmishes, she may be successful in getting a, a particular reporter and seeing things her way. But I think she thinks that the media in general is a constant headache and... I think she, the first thing in her mind when she opens her eyes in the morning is, what have they done to me now? One of the things I know is that you know, the press always has the last word, and there's nothing that you can do to beat that. But it is just possible that Diane Feinstein may one day have the last word. She dreams of banishing what she perceives as growing cynicism in the media. I'd like to have an opportunity to... Um, to, to run a newspaper. Um, I think there's so many good things in life in this city and in California that are happening that never get reported. So I'd like a just, as they say, an opportunity to, to try to do it my way. Mayor Feinstein will re-enter private life in about two years. She will be 54 years old, still a relatively young woman in political terms. She can look toward a future with almost endless possibilities. U.S. Senator, Governor, a cabinet position, an ambassadorship, a spot on the Democratic national ticket. She is a complicated woman, in many ways a study in contradictions. A tough, determined, meticulous mayor, at times capable of great displays of tenderness and occasional lapses of insensitivity. While her future remains uncertain, as long as she is mayor, people will be talking about her. The mayor has run a very closed administration. I really think she's done an excellent job. I, I honestly do. She's very, very persistent. Uh, she is very, very demanding. She believes that everything has to be controlled out of the mayor's office, that, uh, that it's not news until she says it's news. Whoever follows her in a couple of years is going to have one hard act to follow. Barbara Taylor, News 74, KCBS. Thank <laughs> you.
Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.